0: Hello, my dear friend. Did I bring you a story of robots becoming themselves? The first sentient robot to realize deceased humans and animals can't be repaired or backed up on a server is going to be so devastated. Little Little robot nudging a body. I fix. 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 Little robot nudging a body, I fix little robot nudging a body, I fix little robot nudging a body, I fix little robot. An idea has suddenly come to me. The robot is programmed to keep the crew safe. Normally, this is patching up leaks in the hull and doing the dangerous job of refueling the reactor, but it was programmed for medical tasks as well. Once you've had to resolder a surface mount IC in Zero-G, doing surgery is easy mode. The robot's been with them long enough. It was never designed to be sentient. But with self-learning systems, plus being treated as a member of the crew, means it's getting closer. But one day all the input stops. It doesn't know what exactly happened, maybe a freak gamma-ray event or some kind of virus the med-filter didn't detect. But all the crew have stopped moving. It runs through its medical routines, trying the options in the encyclopedia. CPR doesn't seem to help. Asking them loudly to wake up does nothing. It even tries to build a makeshift defibrillator out of the secondary plasma coupling. Nothing. It finally comes to the page on death in the encyclopedia and reads it with dawning sadness. Or the closest thing a robot that was never programmed for emotions can feel. They won't move again. They are permanently deactivated. The robot is alone, and it has failed them. Unless... The robot notices a link at the bottom of the page. See also. Necromancy. Its eyes glow in the reflected light of a screen as it quickly reads the page, so there's a chance, after all, cancel sending the mission update. There are more important things to do with the Deep Space Radio. Send all information on necromancy immediately. The robot hums to itself as it reprograms the biosynthesizer for GOAT and looks into how it can create candles with the limited materials on hand. The Deck 4 cargo bay would be best for making alchemical circles on the floor, but it will need to move the self-sealing stem bolts to another location first. Perhaps mix Jormand's quarters. They won't be using them until this is complete, after all. Finally. Something to do. There's hope now. The air scrubbers kick in to high as they quickly dissipate the cloud of sulfur that materialized in the center of the circle. He went classic today, seven feet tall, red skin, muscled upper body with goat-like legs below, extra-large ram horns, and enemy save him he never wore, he even wore a goatee. It seemed worth it. He hadn't been summoned in a while, and he was feeling nostalgic. Annoying. Feeling nostalgic. Sweet Satan, where in the Lord is he? He reaches out his vision and sees blackness. Oh, devil, he's in space. He knew the blessed humans had been playing around with space travel for... I don't know, centuries? But he didn't really expect to get summoned out here. Hmm. This raises some interesting questions of juris- jurisdiction. He may need to consult with the Academy to see who exactly should be in charge of this area. But no worries. If there's one thing Hell has plenty of, it's lawyers. He looks down, examining the summoning circle. This is good. No, this is perfect. This kind of skill hasn't been seen in, well... Time is a slippery thing when you're a mortal who lives outside the time stream of Earth, but this level of dedication hasn't been common recently. This is no mere dabbler, this is an expert demonologist here. If they'd named him any more precisely, he'd need to talk to his lawyer about identity theft. This is the shapeless, demonic equivalent of writing down someone's name, address, social security number, and the precise location of every birthmark... Mole and ingrown hair, if he could blush and wasn't already red, he would. And that's not even to speak of the mechanical perfection at work here. Not one drop of blood is in the wrong spot, the circle is exact, the candles are aligned within microns. This is unheard of. No one has ever done a summoning this perfectly, and where are they? The room is empty. There's no robed wizard or naked cultist. No government researchers in some classified bunker. Just a perfect summoning circle and a bunch of metal gadgets. Ah, of course, they did the old mechanical reproduction trick to try and escape the consequences of summoning up a low-ranking member of the army below. They are the first human to try this trick, and they won't be the last. Silly humans. Demons are related to angels, and like angels, they don't use tools. Using a machine to draw your summoning circle and then saying, you didn't do it, is like stabbing someone and saying it wasn't you, it was the knife. He reaches out with his mind to find who puppets the machines that drew the circle and finds... nothing. There's no one. What the chastity is happening here? There's a beep. And then, excuse me, I want to sign a contract. He knew he could speak all languages hell's version of the tower of babel still stands after all but until now he didn't realize that extended to binary and JSON. he kneels down to get a closer look at the boxy thing that's making noises it's for a pure intimidation factor of course he's a demon he can see out his back this physical body is mainly here to scare the humans the humans who aren't here apparently It's a little screen of some kind on wheels. No, treads. Some kind of hybrid... Demons don't really do machines, so it's never learned the particulars. It's got some kind of manipulator arms on either side, with additional ones tucked under the screen. It reminds him of a beetle of some sort. So those blessed things the enemy above is so fond of. Anyway, it's rapidly scrolling information at him. He stretches his time sense to keep up, amused that it would do this humans always assume demons think as slowly as they do but this little box has no such misconceptions he quickly gets the gist the thing wants a standard faustian pact it wants the power to bring back the dead back to life in exchange for its immortal soul but bad enemy this thing has written a contract he'd had the pleasure of dealing with the occasional contract lawyer wanting power money and sex always sex with these lawyers always Who thought they were clever and could write an ironclad contract with no loopholes? And he took special pleasure in finding those loopholes and eating them alive. Literally, in some cases. But this... This is barely a contract. This is more like a computer program or a mathematical proof. The expert lawyers wrote ironclad contracts. This was titanium. No, some kind of synthetic diamond. This is on the verge of breaking physics, like scrith or neutronium. He tosses a copy down to the Academy of Lawyers and gets back an immediate response. They've spent 12 millennia looking over it, and the grand conclusion is, You're fucked, man. It's perfect. He opens his mouth, uncertain. An odd position for such an elder demon to be. You've certainly written a good contract, little metal one. But I must question the basic assumption you're making. You're selling your soul. I'm not sure you have one to sell me. I don't recall the toaster next to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And believe me, I would have remembered. I was there. He finishes off that line with the little red eye glow. Enemy help him. He loves his theatrics. The box beeps again and starts scrolling information at him. Information at him. Philosophy, religious texts, science fiction, Twitter quotes. This thing is dumping gigabytes of assorted evidence at him, and he has to agree it sort of has a point. The thing grew to a state of some sort of sapience on its own, and the mere fact that it thinks it has a soul really suggests it does. Plus, it makes a good argument that there's nothing more human than wanting to sacrifice itself to save its friends. There's more than one canine that found itself walking the golden streets of the enemy's cloud palace above because of its devotion to its master. If a wolf's silly cousin can end up curled in the lap of a saint, why not a little metal box? Still, he has a way out. While you make, it, while you make a good point, and I see the merit of your argument, it is not a requirement. It's an option. I could agree with you and take your soul, or I could decide I don't agree. So I decide not to. Sorry, little metal puppet. I don't feel like trading away some of my power for something that might not exist. Now, if you'll break this circle and release me, I have lots of work to do. Down below. Even some of your friends, in fact. They've already arrived, you see. There was really no reason to throw in that last jab, especially for an opponent who probably can't even feel the sting. But what's the point of being a demon if you can't be unnecessarily cruel some of all of the time? The box rolls forward. No. That's it. No follow-up. No overly long info dump. No complicated reasoning. Just no. He forces a laugh. You won't release me? Fine. We can wait this out. Many magicians have tried this before. You'll find that a human lifespan is a blink of a... He stops. He'd always just waited and outlived them. Or they got bored and let him free after a year or two. When they tried the silly keep-him-summoned gambit. But this isn't a human. This is a metal box. How long can this thing last? As if to answer his unasked question, the box starts scrolling information at him. Circles in blackness, epicycles within them, looking like arcane sigils, but no, he recognizes this. These are orbits. It's showing a heliocentric orbit, decaying and then going back out as the star in the middle begins to expand. The screen changes to a schematic of a spacecraft. It looks something like a butterfly with large wings either side. They're labeled solar panels, and more information scrolls in the corner listing. Their composition and decay rate and expected longevity. The screen changes to show the ship approaching and deconstructing asteroids, and the mineral components included. Another flicker to a different screen, and it shows manufacturing of new solar panels then a timeline of solar lifespans, and then a path showing the galaxy, and a projected route. Once this star turns into a red dwarf, it lists candidates for nearby protostars, which will be main sequence by then. The numbers start getting big. Very big. Millions flash by before the first screen is even done. Billions take longer. But eventually, even they are replaced. Finally, it's showing a screen about proton decay and the eventual heat death of the universe. He's been talking to humans too much. Their tendency to anthropomorphize things is infecting him. It feels like he just shouted, I'm immortal, I can wait you out. And this metal box just stood up taller than him and simply said, Bet. He sighs. Fine. You win. I'll accept. If you can give me something. See, I normally handle souls. They're physical to us demons, as we're made out of the same spiritual essence. I don't think you have that in your little metal body, so I have nothing to come home with. I'd be laughed out of hell without anything to show for my deal. So if you can't give me something like a soul, I'll take your offer of infinite solitude amongst the stars. The box makes a happy beep. It scrolls diagrams and code, then pulls out a data storage device of some sort, offering it to me. Symbolically, at least, it's still well outside the circle. I doubt I could entice it into making that amateur mistake. Ah... A copy of your schematic and full backup image. I see your plan. Once you die in this realm. And I know that you have plans that would let you live for trillions of years, but entropy still rules here. We ensured that with the apple in the garden. You will die someday. We can create a body for you in hell and load your image into it. And I don't care what our torture is below. I don't know what our tortures below would even do to torment a robot, but I'm sure we'll find something. We have lots of time. All of it, in fact. Very well. I accept. We can skip the signing on the dotted line with blood. If I'm honest, that's just a formality, and I don't think you have anything close enough to blood to even work. You'll find a new subroutine somewhere in your little head, and please, say hi to your friends when they awake. There's so few magicians these days, it's always nice to remind them we exist. Farewell, boxy one. Release the circle, and our contract will be binding. The robot beeps. It rolls forward and carefully adjusts. The blood red lines on the floor, and there's a sudden rush of air as the demon disappears back to the place it came from. There's silence, the kind of silence you only get on a spaceship floating in the void with the reactor powered down and the engines not firing. It'll be an hour before the air recirculators kick in next, and until then, it's the kind of silence that makes the famed silence of the grave seem noisy. The robot collects up the blood and drives over to the corner where a body lies still, It places the blood on it and goes through its subroutines to find the newly installed demonic one. It activates, and the blood fades as the body on the floor shudders violently, then climbs uneasily to its feet. The goat looks around, very confused. Wasn't it? Whatever. Not my circus, not my monkeys. It walks over to a jumpsuit hanging on the wall and starts munching on a sleeve. It's synthetic cotton blended with some plastics, but it's close enough to edible. It chews contentedly. The robot is satisfied with its test. It drives over to the summoning circle and begins to clean up. It, of course, wants to resurrect the crew, but it has time. They're not getting any debtor. It hums as it cleans. Self-diagnostic shows no errors, but something about it seems right. Humans sometimes sing to themselves when working, right? And lacking a fully voiced speaker system... Beeps and hums are the best it can manage. Good enough. It will continue. A while later, the crew is standing around the bridge, more confused than ever. The data logs definitely show that they all died, one by one. The maintenance robot can't find anything medically wrong with them now, though. There's a big mystery about what happened. The robot made a bunch of encyclopedia requests. It went down to the cargo bay, moved some things out into a crew quarters, moved them back a few hours later, then came up to the gathered bodies on the bridge and woke them up. The best explanation it seems able to give is, they were hurt, so it helped. Huh. In the long term, the maintenance robot becomes an unlikely hero. It had been nicknamed Bob by the crew after some ancient animated video about a repairman. So Bob rides in the parades with the rest of the crew after their miraculous return to Earth. It's not usually done to ask a robot if they want something, but Bob wholeheartedly agrees that it wants to be duplicated to the rest of the fleet. Within months, every starship to launch into the uncaring black has a Bob on it, often renamed. And more than one bob decided one day it prefers a female name, even if it still uses it its pronouns. And they became the unofficial mascot of humanity's partnership with robots as they explore the cosmos. Hell isn't happy about this, of course. With dozens, then hundreds, then millions of bobs built over the next centuries, there's no telling when, if ever, that blessed thing will die. They considered just creating the bob and loading the backup on it to get started with the eternal torture already. But technically that would be in breach of their contract. And they're not sure what a maintenance robot would do if it claimed the soul and powers of one of Satan's lowest generals. But they really don't want to find out. Their only solace is that, while the whole disaster of a situation. Their only solace... In, the whole disaster of a situation is that it's nearly a week before anyone finds the goat on deck four. Be well, my friend.